Hi everybody, my name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Welcome to our online worship service today. Whether you're a member at Parker Ford or just joining us here online, we're so glad to have you with us as we continue our series on faith called Costly Faith. Today we start a new two-part teaching called Faith When It Costs Too Much. We've been doing this series throughout this year of 2021 and what we've been doing is bouncing back and forth between an Old Testament story and a New Testament story. And I knew that this would be leading up uh, to the, the Lenten season, and ultimately we were going to be in this series all the way up until Palm Sunday and Easter. And so what we've been doing is each time we go to the New Testament, we've, looking, we've been looking at a different aspect of Jesus' faith, particularly around the crucifixion story. Today we're going to be looking at a really unusual person to be considered a hero of the faith, and yet that's exactly what they are. In fact, they're listed. This person is named in Hebrews 11 uh, among the famous saints that go forth for us who modeled the faith, the faith, and that is Rahab. We're going to be talking about the faith of Rahab and ultimately what it cost her. And then next week, we're going to be looking at the cost that Jesus paid, particularly around the famous passage where uh, he talks about the cup being too much uh, to bear. Throughout this service, we want to invite you to engage the content in a meaningful way. So there are going to be opportunities for you to pause the video and have discussion if you're with others or if you're alone to spend time in reflection. Throughout the morning, both before and after the teaching, you're going to have an opportunity to pause the video and work through some reflection questions, and you'll have opportunity to do that in a few minutes. At the start of our service, what we've been doing is working on a couple of memory verses. We started with a, a verse in Hebrews earlier in the series, and the last uh, half of the series, we've been working through Galatians 2.20. I want to read this. I invite you to read it with me, and then you can pause the video and work on the memory verse with your family or on your own with the Lord. Let's read it together. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our call to worship this morning is going to come from two passages in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 13 will be the first, and then Mark chapter 10. I was thinking about this topic of faith when it costs what seems like too much. You know, the famous book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. There's a cost to discipleship, and Jesus made this very clear. If we want to be his disciple, we must deny many of the lesser loves in our life, take up our cross Count the cost and follow him. And so I want to read a couple different passages from the Gospels about counting the cost. The first are two short parables that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13. So for the call to worship, I want to invite you to stand and you can read this out loud with me. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now from Mark chapter 10, would you read with me? This is 
when uh, Jesus has the encounter with the rich young ruler who ultimately goes away sad because Jesus calls him to give all his wealth away to the poor and follow him. And he leaves because he had great wealth. Picking up from there in Mark 10, read it with me, starting in verse 28. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. You can have a seat. Before we get into today's teaching, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 2, and then a few verses from Joshua chapter 6, while we look at the story of Rahab. I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions in preparation. So this is the opportunity for you to pause the video and have a time of discussion or personal reflection. The first question is, has it ever felt like the cost of following Jesus was too much? Have you ever had maybe a crisis of faith or a time in your life where it just felt too much to follow him? Speaking of that, the cost of following Jesus, what is the cost of following Jesus? Take some time to actually think about what is the cost? What does Jesus say about that cost? And finally, what stories from the Hebrew scriptures illustrate the cost of following the Lord? So go ahead and have a time of reflection and then join us for this morning's teaching. I have a friend who lives on a really, really remote island. In fact, to get there would take multiple days of travel. If you were in the Philadelphia region, you'd have to fly across the world and multiple flights. And then you'd have to uh, take a long uh, taxi or car or motorcycle ride. And then after that, you'd have to take a very lengthy uh, boat ride to get there. And my friend uh, is a believer in Christ, a disciple of Jesus, and uh, lives on in a place that is um, almost 100% um, Muslim, and there's many uh, radical elements um, to the leadership in this place. And he's had a gun held to his head on multiple occasions, um, being accused of uh, spreading the gospel or being threatened uh, to leave. And yet he's also someone that the local government desires to be there because he's uh, does youth programs and sports programs and, and helps build uh, community developmental programs that they don't have otherwise available for him. He helped bring internet to the island for the first time. So he's bringing great value and yet his life has been threatened multiple times because of his faith. Most of us haven't counted the cost of following Jesus uh, to that extent. I know I certainly haven't. I've never had a gun held to my head um, or anything like that, but many believers have. That doesn't mean, though, that the way that Jesus is calling you and I to count the cost to follow him is of lesser value. It just means it's a different call. You don't have the same call. I don't have the same call. We don't have the same call. Each of us are called to be faithful, full of faith, pistis, towards the calling that God has for us as individuals. Now, we don't just discern that individually. We discern it in community. All of us have a universal call to count the cost, to take up our cross, and to pursue Jesus at the cost of everything else in our lives. How that plays out and how that looks is going to be different and nuanced 
based on our personality, based on our gifting, based on our personal calling and individual calling, based on our family, based on our situations. And so I'm not saying that all of us have to have a gun held to our head to count the cost, but what I am saying is that all of us have to count the cost in order to follow Jesus. And for some of us, uh, that means putting our lives on the line. Um, for, for some, that, that means being martyred. Many people throughout Christian faith have been martyred. And so it's important for us to take time and stock uh, throughout, throughout our Christian faith from time to time to pause and ask the Lord, um, what, is, what is it he's calling us to? And what is the cost? And, and then to count that and make sure that we continue to pursue him. We're going to be um, in the story of Rahab, but I want to start in the cost of discipleship passage in Luke 14. Before we do that, let's pray and invite the Lord to lead us in his word today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you ultimately counted the cost. <laughs> you laid down your life. You paid the ultimate price, and you've invited us into a life of submission to you, wherein we listen to your voice, we hear your voice as our good shepherd, you desire to lead us, and so help us uh, to hear your voice today, to count the cost of discipleship, and to see the joy set before us, and to pursue you in all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 14, large crowds, it says in verse 25, were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus was anything but a modern and good salesman. How is this for a sales pitch? If you want to be in my family, if you want to be part of this movement, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and die. You have to hate the things that the world says to love and follow me. You know, this is one of the obvious reasons that the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It's a false narrative when it says, you know, if you follow God, God's going to pour out riches on you and lavish you. No, no, no. Jesus promises his followers persecution. He promises that when we follow him, there will be difficult things that he calls us to and through. And yet, it's worth it because the treasure is not a car in the garage or a big house. The treasure of great worth is the person of Jesus himself. He goes on to say in verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples." As I mentioned in the introduction to today's service, one of the unlikely heroes of the faith, the examples of the faith that's lifted up in the scriptures for us in multiple New Testament passages, is Rahab, who's not only a Gentile, a, non, a non-Jew, but is part of uh, the hated uh, subgroup that lives in the city of Jericho, the, the first city that they conquer when they cross the Jordan River. And not only that, she's a prostitute. She's, she's a woman of ill repute. And yet she's held up 
to us as an example of faith. Now remember, in the redefining of faith that we've done in this series, we've talked about how faith in popular culture is most often talked about believing in something you can't see, or it, it has the connotations of personal uh, relationship with Jesus, like having devotions. Now both of those things are a part of what faith is, but they're only a part of it. Yes, faith means to believe and have hope in Christ. And yes, means, it means that we believe doctrinally that Jesus is the Son of God incarnate and that he died and was resurrected. This is essential to who we are as, as Christ followers. But it, it also means the state of our being, our soul, our heart, in the fact that are we living in obedience? Are we a person of trust? Are we a person of, of obedience? And even we've used the word allegiance because pistis in Greek, which is translated as faith in English, means allegiance. Now, when we think of allegiance as Americans, we most often think of allegiance to the flag, the, the pledge of allegiance. I pledge allegiance to this flag. And so we, um, you know, military pledge allegiance to the Constitution and upholding the Constitution. Almost all of the examples of allegiance in our culture have to do with our government and have to do with um, the, the political reality of living in America. Jesus calls us to an allegiance in him. And God has always called his people to an ultimate allegiance in him, wherein we give our allegiance not to the society we live in, first and foremost, though we are certainly called to pray and care for the people around us, including the government. God calls us ultimately to an allegiance in him. And we have to count the cost for this. And the story of Rahab illustrates for us a person who had faith, who had allegiance in God and counted the cost. It says in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. How they found this woman, we don't know. How they encountered her, we don't know. Maybe she was looking out for them. We know later in this story that, that she fears God. She has learned to fear Yahweh through the stories she's heard. Whatever the case may be, these two men who are spying, these Jewish men, they end up in her house, staying there. Verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now Rahab's going to put everything on the line. She's going to put her life on the line and all of the people associated with her because in this culture, in this time, in this day, if she were found to be guilty, not only would she have died, but her entire home and household and people in it would have died as well. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had actually taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, now listen to what she says, this is amazing. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. 
When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This is exactly what Moses prayed would happen. This is exactly what God said would happen. He was going to make his name famous as he rescued his people out of Egypt and brought them out of slavery and through the wilderness and into the promised land of inheritance that he was going to make his name great by the, the, the deeds he was performing among them. Rahab has heard these stories and she, in her heart, in her life, in her spirit, has, has begun to fear the Lord. She is rejecting the gods of her, fall, her, her forefathers. She's rejecting the idols that she's worshipped. And she's saying, truly, this is the true God. This is a beautiful example of faith. Belief, fear in God, and allegiance. Listen to the second half of verse 11. She says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Verse 12, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. And that's exactly what they did. And they, they survived and they escaped. Now a few chapters later, when the people of Israel actually um, come to the, the city of, of Jericho, they, you know, the story where they circle it each day and on the seventh day they circle it seven times and the city walls fall, we pick up in Joshua 6, verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brother and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. So the, the men of Israel, the people of Israel were faithful even as Rahab was faithful to them. This is a woman who counted the cost. She put everything on the line. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard many sermons about the faith of Rahab, and yet she is listed, and we'll look at the verse in a, in a moment. She's listed among the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. She's a woman who put it all on the line. Now, she lived centuries before Jesus, and so she, didn't, she wasn't thinking in terms of taking up her cross and following him. What she was thinking in terms of was she has heard of the one true God who's nothing like the gods that she had worshipped up until that point. The true Lord, as she says, of heaven and on earth. And she is fearing him. Fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord, the beginning of worship. Fear of the Lord, the beginning of knowledge. She's placing her allegiance. She's taking her allegiance off of what is false counting the cost and putting her faith and allegiance in what is true. Yahweh, the one true and living God. And because of this, the reward for her is not just that she's saved, but she is included, this is amazing, she's included in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She becomes part 
of the heritage of the family of the one true king, Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, he records this. He says in verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Here she is, a Gentile prostitute listed in the lineage of the Jewish Messiah. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. I think that's so beautiful that she is then integrated through her faith. She is woven into the fabric of the living story of the King of Kings. In Hebrews 11, at the, at the end of the chapter, after he's listed, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Noah and, and Moses and talked about all that. He's running out of time and he says, I don't have time to talk about all the other people. But in verse 30, he says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By pistis, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, by pistis, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Because of her allegiance, her belief, yes, her fear of the Lord, yes, but also her obedience, her actual actions, her faithfulness that she lived. Because she welcomed the spies, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. And she's listed among the heroes of the faith. And then skipping ahead in verse 39, all of these who went before us, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us, for you and I so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Rahab's faith, her allegiance in God, is ultimately fulfilled not in her life, but through the, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ and the walking out of the kingdom through the saints of God. And so the faith of Rahab, modeled so long ago, so many generations ago, is actually being fulfilled today in you and I as we live in allegiance and faith to Jesus. I have some questions for us to wrestle through in response to this, uh, this teaching today. The first is, what cost did Rahab pay to follow the Lord? Think about it. I could have talked a lot about what she was saying no to in order to say yes to God. What, are the, what, what was the cost she paid? Why do you think both Matthew and the writer of Hebrews mention Rahab in such important integral passages of Scripture? And finally, why is Rahab listed as a hero of faith in Hebrews chapter 11? Go ahead and spend some time meditating on these questions and then join us for today's benediction. We ended today's sermon with a reading from the end of Hebrews 11 where it mentions Rahab and then it talks about the fact that the faith of these people who went before us is actually fulfilled in us because of us knowing and having received Christ. At the beginning of this series, for several weeks, for the benediction, I used the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. And as we come to the close of this series about faith, I'm talking about faith more than just belief, but what it costs us uh, from an allegiance standpoint. I don't mean that from a negative term. I, 
I, I hope that didn't come across today. I, I think that the cost is so worth it. And that's why we started with the reading from the Gospels about the kingdom of God being the treasure of great worth. The person of Jesus is the treasure of great worth. And so when we think about the cost of faith, obviously there's a cost to it, but it is so worth it because there is nothing like life and love and freedom in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do to end our service today for the benediction is read from the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, which flows right from the passage about Rahab's faith in Hebrews 11. So it says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What's entangling you? What's ensnaring you? What's hindering you from running this race with freedom and joy and passion and conviction? Throw it off. Let it be gone. We're in Christ. He goes on to say, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to have you with us as we continue our journey through this series talking about faith. I hope you have a great day, a wonderful week. Go with God. Be blessed.